Emily Lloyd Saney, are you there? Emily. Em, Emily? Emily! <laughs> oh, God. Guys, it's true. The rumours are true. Emily has very selfishly left me all on my own to do a podcast. Um, but she has sent me in a bit of audio to play you. Hi, everyone. Emily here. Anna is probably bossing, leading this podcast without me. But if by any chance you are thinking, God, I miss Emily. I'm still here. I've had a baby and I don't know what day or time it is. And I'm not even sure of my full name. Um, so thank you, Anna, for keeping our lovely podcast going. I'll be back soon. And thank you so much for uh, to Rosie for stepping in. Rosie, please don't do very well. Otherwise, people won't care that I'm not there. Okay, good deal. Have a great time. Bye. Yeah, so there you go. She had a bloody baby. She's got a good excuse and we'll let her off. Um, it is going to be very strange not having her um, in my ears. But hopefully, I mean, I did ask her to watch the film that we're about to do and contribute a few sort of wise words that I'll intersperse throughout the episode. So you won't be completely Emily-less, don't worry. And I'm sure she has a lot of interesting things to say. <laughs> baby brain's not a real thing, right? Um, luckily, it is not going to just be me on my own. I'm very, very lucky to be joined by an excellent guest. She is an internet sensation uh, with more than 1 million views on various sketches. Oh, no, that's a lie. She's got one sketch with a million views and a shitload of other views on the other sketches. I'm in awe of that and attracting loads of attention from the right wing, which is great. Um, she's an actor and she'll be part of The Crown live whenever live things come back. So without further ado, Rosie Holt. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Did you notice that even in that very brief amount of time that I had to talk on my own I was basically having a meltdown I thought it was wonderful I just I, I just need I, her to be here you know I did think I was going to be doing the podcast with you Emily and the baby but yeah you know. she she did tell you that didn't she huh she did tell me that but it's it's fine it's fine I'm I'm adjusting and moving on yeah I'm sorry I'm I'm a poor second compared to the what I can physically confirm is a very good smelling baby Good. Oh. All babies smell good. Actually, apart from when they, you know, when they've chat themselves, <laughs> yeah. which they do a lot. It turns they out they do do that a lot. Oh, but their heads are so nice to smell. Oh, it's God, very cute, baby. Babies. Yes, oh, very cute. God. Yeah. Um. And Emily is. She just looks like she's got everything under control. So I can't wait for that facade to to, to fall, fall apart. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready for that. Yeah. So Rosie. Yes. You chose the film today. Yes. What is it? Pretty Woman. What a classic. No explanation needed. <laughs> Pretty Woman. No. Great film. Oh, God. Do you know what? Look, without having Emily here, I've not told our listeners what the podcast is about. Um, so I'll do that now. This is still legit, where we look uh, with fresh eyes at the popular culture of our youth and see if it is still legit and pretty woman seems like a good one to start with 
Um, why did you choose Pretty Woman? Um, because I really love this film, and there has been—I mean, in recent yes. years, especially because there was the the recent music. There was a musical, wasn't there, of Pretty Woman that came out recently, and a lot of people were going, um, "This is actually isn't a good idea because Pretty Woman is really problematic." And actually, I watched it again, and I was like, "Yes, it is problematic, <laughs> but it's a really good film, and it's really romantic, and it makes me believe in love." So, I so interesting, care. and we're going to we're going to tear that view to pieces as we go through the show. <laughs> Welcome to Still Legit, the show where we ruin people's childhood favorites. <laughs> and when do you remember when you first saw it? Do you remember like was it was it something that you watched a lot when you were a kid or anything like that? I remember the first time I watched it. I think I was slightly too. Young, so mm. I remember I got to the hotel scene where she's watching yeah. TV and he's starting to like eye her up, and then she goes to Blakeney give him a blowjob, and then I was like, <laughs> "No, what is this? I won't, I won't do it anymore." And I stopped, and then I revisited it again when I was slightly older, and then amazingly, That's so restrained of you. I feel like I would have been like, "What's happening? I don't like it. I have to watch it." You see, I was a, such a prude. I was such a prude when I was a teenager. I was a prude. Um, I and when I so when I watched it the first time all the way through, amazingly, I don't think it registered with me that they had sex at all <laughs> until you know the the more significant time they have sex and later on in the film and it's it's supposed to be when she realizes that she loves him but I think I watched that and I just blocked all of that out I think I don't think that's uh, a mistake I don't think that's not something they want you to do it I think it's pitched incredibly well in (laughs) terms of of if you want to let a lot of that stuff slide you really can because you just like oh wait hang on hang on hang on what are the parameters of this film? Yeah. So they're doing that no, very completely. cleverly. Before we get further into it then, yeah. le- well, normally yes. this is the point where we do a, a brief um, sort of synopsis for anyone who may not have seen Pretty Woman. Yeah. Um, guys, get out there. It's there for the taking. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Mind you, my, my housemate had never seen Pretty Woman, who I watched it with at the weekend. What? I think maybe it's... Um, I'd love to hear from our male listeners, but I wonder if it's almost a cliche, like Dirty Dancing, where I think, <laughs> lads, you know, if you're a proper lad, you're like, oh, the missus wants me to watch Pretty Woman. I was like, no, I'm not watching that dress. So it could sometime, not obviously not <laughs> suggesting that your flatmate is an absolute geezer. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not, not one of those. He's not a geezer. I'm interested he's to hear no what you thought. But would you like to do the synopsis? You're very lucky because Emily can be quite harsh on people when they're synopsizing. Okay. Including and mostly <laughs> especially me. Uh, <laughs> um, I should have really planned this beforehand. No, no. So we'll, we'll, I'll just go with it. Go with it. No pressure because so, it's me. I'm um, the nice one out of the, out of the two, famously. Edward is a sexy businessman who's buttoned up. He's buttoned up. He can't relax. (laughs) And meanwhile, Vivian is a sexy prostitute, but she has fun because she has the wild one music plays in her opening scenes. You know, she's like, she's cool. Anyway, he's hanging around in LA. I'm not sure why. I can't remember why. And he's driving around this car and he stops to ask for directions and Vivian gives him directions and he's like, oh, this is a sexy lady, but not in a pervy way because he's never... Okay, you're putting a lot of colour on this. 
<laughs> You're putting a, a lot of colour. <laughs> Stop defending Edward. He picks up Again, a prostitute on Hollywood Boulevard. Respectively, I'm, I'm defending Edward in my synopsis. I'll try and keep the synopsis brief. He picks up Vivian to help him get to the hotel. Just simple direction. Like everyone does. That's all it is. Yeah. Are you lost? They get to the hotel. Pick up a prostitute. <laughs> get them to drive your car. Pick up a prostitute. And then at the at the hotel, she's like, "Okay, I'm going now." He's like, "Bye." But then she's trying to wait for the bus. So he's he's like, "Don't wait for the bus. Come inside where it's warm." So, so she goes. <laughs> okay. Let's 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 squash this synopsis down. Let's put aside the relative warmth and cold inside and outside the hotel. I'm just doing the factual and the bare bone facts. Anyway, so they go to the hotel, they have sex. It's obviously amazing. And she takes off her wig and he realises she's a redhead. So he's very excited. So he says to her, well, first he's like, I'll give you loads of money to stay the night. And she's like, cool. But then he's like, I'll give you loads of money to stay the day and um, go out for dinner with me. Yeah, stay the week. Or is it just that, yeah. Yeah, first no, it's the day. first it's, the, oh, first it's changing, just the day. moving the goalposts. Then it turns into, yeah, he keeps moving the goalposts. Then he offers her to stay the week for something like, is it like 30? No, three grand. How how much is it? It's a fucking disaster. (laughs) It's just a, I mean, yes, there's economy of of scale, but that's just not fair. Yeah. It's bullshit. So he says, he's like, you can stay for three grand. I'll buy you some nice clothes. You can be my girlfriend. Okay, Rosie, I'm going to stop you right there. Let's get into it because I just don't see, I don't see it ending anytime soon. (laughs) Fine, Anna. I thought I was doing a really good job. But if you, you were, were, but I've silenced me. That's I've got fine. to play good cop and bad cop in this scenario. No, that's fine. It's okay. And anyone who's listened to the podcast before will notice that Emily is constantly going, <laughs> right, okay, and bringing us back to the subject. We don't have time for this synopsis because we want to talk about the whole damn film. Yeah, okay, Faris, your point. Um, we'll move on. Just tell me what happens at the end. At the end, he's like... Oh my God, I'm in love with you. And I realized that business isn't important. And actually, we should all care about people and not tear business apart. He goes and he saves her and she stops being a prostitute. And it's really nice. Yeah. We've got so much to talk about. This is what I mean. So much to talk about. Okay. Um, let's, yeah. before we do, let's check in. You're right. Rosie. <laughs> yeah. How you doing? How are you and yourself? As I was telling you before the podcast started, I keep getting migraines. Yeah, we were meant to record this yesterday, but poor Rosie was in the middle of a migraine, which sounds horrifying. it's very hard. Most people call them migraines. I call them migraines. I mean, migraines, it sounds Spanish. It does, doesn't it? Mm. And I'm like, I'm the expert. I get them. They're migraines. So how often? How often are you getting them? Well, since locked, I used to just get them. Uh, sometimes I go for months with not getting them, and then I just get them every sort of uh, month or two. But since lockdown, I'm getting them every week or two. It's awful. They go on for about a day, and I I just vomit in a dark room. It's very oh boring. My God. Yeah. Well, you're being very you're being very gallant about it because you're saying it's very boring, but it sounds 
like excruciating and awful. It is a bit excruciating and awful. But my mum's got very excited because I... She's a sadist. I've been as a result losing quite a lot of weight. <gasps> oh, great. Yeah, no good. So and she's that's... like, oh, you're wasting away. She keeps saying it in this really exciting <laughs> way. Oh. Oh, you're wasting away. Oh, darling, you look so ill. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. She is, isn't she? <laughs> well, oh, there'll be nothing left of you. And I'm like, don't look so happy about it, Mum. Oh, God. <laughs> well, at least you're pleasing your mother. Yeah, I know. And that's really what's important. Absolutely. You know. I'm such a terrible patient because, particularly with headaches, because I very, I don't want to rub it in, but I don't often get them. When I do, I act like such a little bitch. I'm like, what? why? Why isn't my head working? And I sort of insist on doing things that will just make well, they it are worse. Really annoying. But I don't yeah. think I have the, just the foresight to be like, I need to lie down in a dark room because I'm getting a migraine. I would be like, oh no, I'm getting a migraine. I'm just going to watch just one season of Below Deck. Or just the f- what is below deck? Oh, it's I haven't watched it yet, but I am planning. I'm saving it for my next migraine, basically. Um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's some sort of trashy Netflix series in the realm of Selling Sunset. I am all over that. Have you seen Selling Sunset? No, I've been. To, <gasps> I keep getting told to, but because God, I spent it's such trash, it's great. Most of my lockdown with my parents and my dad is quite patriarchal when it comes to the remote control. The remote control. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like Chloe Pets, yeah. a previous a previous guest whose dad wouldn't <laughs> let her watch the Matrix. Yeah, that's what that's what it was like with my dad. My dad would never let me watch um EastEnders. And then I was briefly on EastEnders and when I told my family, they just all mugged me off completely completely like no what no one said no oh that's way. good they were like oh can't you get a job on something decent <laughs> i was like uh yeah no I, I get the joke that we all don't like these senders but i am on the telly <laughs> please please love me i've done this all for you but no no <laughs> i think that's really impressive shame on shame them. Shame. So what did your dad let you watch? What did he let us watch? Uh, some Swedish Swedish drama. Okay. And the news, that 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 kind of thing. Quite serious, quite serious things. Right. And now you're back in London. Yeah, now I'm back in how London. You, how are you feeling about being away from the rents? It's really hard moving away from my parents. Um, I'm trying to be strong. <laughs> uh, not, ring, not ring them every day. <laughs> You know, not get too homesick. Sure. The good thing is, all the stress of now being apart from your parents is really showing, and you look really gaunt. Oh, thank yeah, you. no, you're welcome. Thank you. I've been told I'm wasting yeah, away. Yeah, I'm actually that's, really worried about that's you. That's really what I'm aiming yeah. for. <laughs> Let's start the beginning. So... Let's go crazy. <laughs> Let's go crazy. Let's start the beginning. Okay. So, the first thing that I. I watched this with some friends and I definitely at one point paused the film and then very loudly and drunkenly started like postulating to the screen. So at the beginning, Edward, Richard Gere, is on the phone breaking up with his live-in girlfriend. Yeah? Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, she gets dropped very quickly. But she 
is like, I'm going to move out. So she lives in and he says that later on. He also mentions something about my, my girlfriend who at this very moment is moving out of my apartment. However, for the rest of the film, everyone is talking about him as if he's a confirmed bachelor. Stucky <laughs> takes a phone call, like calls him and goes, when are you going to bring a date to one of these things? And it's like, hang on a minute. Last night when he was at your party and he stole your car, if he wasn't Richard yeah. Gere, he would be stealing a car because he's Richard Gere, he's not stealing a car. He was, as far as you knew, he was still had a girlfriend, a long-term and girlfriend. That's so true. Do, do you know what's awful? I feel that this podcast is going to be as much confronting my own shortcomings <laughs> as the films because I'd completely, I just completely blocked all of that out. I felt any kind of mention of this past girlfriend I was like don't want to deal with that because you're right I mean no one cares about her at all what's he been doing just hiding her in his flat yeah and then presumably all the women all the bitchy women that they meet various guises are all like oh it's so nice to meet one of Edward's girls it's like he was with someone they were living together what are you talking about but do you know do you know what though it does that typical 90s a rom-com thing of still implying that he's kind of he's kind of lovely to his women because like when he talks to that blonde lady at the beginning oh yes I don't know her name yeah. she like looks at when she says he goes oh you're getting mad and she goes oh well couldn't wait for you and then she sort of gives him this wistful look I know like oh I couldn't wait for you yeah which is such an absolute blast on her on her husband <laughs> she's just married yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> fucking hell so there's you know we're getting the idea that yeah he's rubbish with women but also he's, he's great, great with women. women yeah yeah absolutely i mean it affects him enough this phone call affects him enough to leave this bougie party at jason alexander's place so his like best friend quote-unquote best friend is played by jason alexander from seinfeld stucky his name is and he's just awful i mean <laughs> Yeah, he's got no redeeming characteristics whatsoever. He's a, he's a, a crawling, and you know, if you if you want to sort of judge a man by the relationships he has, it is like th- this. This is this is your person. Have you seen Shallow Hal? Yes. So in Shallow Hal, he kind of has like a little tail. Yeah, which is like his only redeeming feature, isn't it? It turns out that that's why he's such a dick. Yeah, he's got this sort of residual tail. (laughs) And I couldn't stop thinking about him while I was watching this film as having this tail because he's so awful. Ah, He's awful. Yeah, he's absolutely repulsive. So we also then see JR, who is just a stunning... A stunning woman. What are your thoughts on Julia? She's so beautiful. Oh In fact, I kept saying this to Neil, my my lovely friend and housemate, as we were watching. I was like, this woman is so beautiful. And all throughout the film, she looks incredible. And yeah, the, the opening shot, she's lying in her underwear. Yeah, she's iconic. Just, she's just incredible. Yeah. Oh, wow. She really is. Like, the camera fucking loves her. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's got this amazing. I don't, don't want to sound like a perv. I'm good. She's got this amazing body. Amazing she's just, body. She's just great. At one point, she says, "Well, my legs are 44 inches from hip to hip to toe, so that's 88 inches of therapy or something like that." And I was like, "Wow, that's 16 <laughs> inches longer than my legs." <laughs> She was really, I felt that was really just showing off about her legs. I know, but I was like, 
that's more than half as much again of leg <laughs> than I <laughs> Oh God. Do you think women around around the country were just looking at their sad little stumpy legs as she talked about legs and therapy? Yeah. Thinking, I need therapy now, Julia. Yeah. <laughs> So, so here's an interesting thing. One of my, one of my friends, Irene, shout out, uh, who I was watching with, she was convinced that Julia Roberts had not, that Vivian had not had, had not like actually turned a trick. And it's just, go on, you've got a thought. I can see it in your face. Well, but that doesn't work because she says that she, she has that speech later on where she said the first time she had sex. Exactly. On the job, she cried. Exactly. You're, you're right. But it was interesting. Again, it was, it was sort of to do with like when you said when you were younger and you watched it, you kind of glossed over the fact that they'd had sex. And it's just the way that there are certain things they give you the information, but the feeling that they're trying to portray is basically this pure whore you know she's not like Definitely. kids and also they make out that she they say she's not been in, a, in a LA for that long yeah they make out that she's definitely a new prostitute yeah which doesn't quite tally up with other things that are said in the movie yeah so it does kind of give misinformation where she is like she's kind of yeah because she's quite a pro yeah. the way that she she's not backwards and coming forwards and trying to be like can we have sex now? Because that's my job and I need to make some money yeah, to pay the rent. she's got all those condoms. She's got all, she's ready. all the fantastic condoms in her boot. If that was me with my tiny legs, I would unzip my boot and then I'd be like, oh <laughs> shit, I'm sorry. They've actually slipped into my pop sock. They're actually in here. Hang on a second. Hang on. And I'd have to fish them out from between my toes. <laughs> I'd just be like, mine is in my trainer. Yeah, I have to get it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but it does, it gives this impression and they do it by juxtaposing her with Kit and they give Kit a drug problem. Yeah. What is the drug problem? Because Kit is very, very, um, ready to denounce crack whores all over the place. Crackheads. She's always talking about, oh, but Skinny Marie, she's a crack whore. It's like, um... So what was the stuff that you spent the rent money on? I know that's very bizarre. Though so, so. Neil got very sad at the end when, when uh, Julia gives her some money. She goes, you've got potential. Yeah. And she goes, oh, you think? And Neil was like, no, she's just going to spend it on drugs. Agree, 100% agree. You should say, we think you've got potential, so we've booked you into a beauty college and we've paid your first term of tuition. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, or we've booked you into rehab. Yeah. Or just, I've got... <laughs> I've got you a, like a, a trial shift at Baskins and Robbins. There's plenty of things <laughs> that she could be doing that would yeah. take her out of that out of that world. So here's another thing. We haven't even got to them meeting yet. <laughs> <laughs> Shit! Again, halfway through and I thought I was like, true thing. And I had to pause the film. Yeah. Like, guys, guys, did you realise, I feel like I'm such an idiot for not having realised this already and people will be listening to this going, uh, yeah, and obviously. Did you realise this was a take on My Fair Lady? No. Is it? Think Is about it, it. Think about it. Is it? There's even a polo I mean, game and the horses and oh, the opera. Oh. Oh. And, well, also, My Fair Lady, Pretty Woman. Oh my goodness. I didn't, I've never twigged up on that. Yeah. Twigged up isn't a phrase, is it? I've not twigged up on it either. (laughs) Until midway through, I was like, hang on a second. 
Um, and that must be deliberate, must yeah, it? Yeah, it is. I looked, I looked it up afterwards, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of based on Pygmalion. And then the nice hotel guy is Henry Higgins. Exactly. It's not. It not even Henry Higgins. The other guy. No, the the other one. Sorry, I can't do names. Yeah, Henry Higgins is... The nice guy. Yeah. The nice hoteller is the nice Colonel Pickering. Oh, well Thank remembered. You. Yeah, Hector Elizondo. So let's... So, but that's interesting. Something to bear in mind. Because I yeah. was thinking, how on earth could you push this through? The film's 30 years old. It's a film at its bare bones about a prostitute and a businessman. A businessman basically saying, I want to employ you as a prostitute and also for the girlfriend experience. I know, it's crazy. And I think it's because, well, it's interesting because um, when they meet, it's, <laughs> as I uh, demonstrated my amazing synopsis, <laughs> is they they kind of write it so that he, it's all kind of, um, it's slightly a mistake. So his car stops yeah. and then she's asking for, and yeah, he's clearly attracted to her, but first he's sort of just, he's looking for directions and yeah, he's attracted to her, but, but there's that as well. And then they get to the hotel and he kind of resists and goes, okay, goodbye. But then he sees her waiting for the bus, feels a bit bad, is also yeah, attracted yeah. to her. So there's the whole way through, we're kind of privy to this kind of tussle that's got going on. They're really, they've done a really good job of if you don't think about it too much, you're like, oh, uh, what are the chances? But actually, if you yeah. consider it, you're like, so you're telling me that this multi-millionaire businessman who spends has spent the last decade in the company of Stucky, who clearly uses prostitutes, yeah, um, and you're a very rich man and have been around rich white men for the whole of your life, you're telling me you have never encountered a prostitute before? No, and I don't think he has. I don't think he has a cancer prostitute because he's a nice man. Okay, I can, I, I can literally kind of see thing. you regressing when you're trying to defend <laughs> this situation. He's a nice man and he was just looking for directions. I mean, it's... And his car got stuck. It's ridiculous. And then he was like, the oh, level of if privilege. a prostitute is going to show me where to go, then that's how but it has Rosie, to be. But Rosie, the level of privilege that he's like, I'm going to take your car. Wh- why? I'm, wh- his really expensive yeah, car. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But he doesn't know how to drive. And then I'm going to drive where I don't know and then pick up a prostitute. Like, there's a difference between getting directions and her being like, when she says, for 20 bucks, I'll show you myself. He lets her get into a car with him. And it's not like, this could be potentially confusing for her, or this could be, you know, like, what's going on here? I hope she doesn't think that I'm going to sleep with her. No, there's nothing that he's just like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Hop in. Yeah. I always pick up prostitutes in my really expensive car just for directions. And if he had let her just get the bus home with her like $20 bill, that would have been really bad. It would have been really bad. Well, I mean, she'd have, had, she'd have missed out on a lot of good work. Exactly. And she looked cold. Yeah. So that's why he had to let her in the hotel so that she could be warm. Okay, you're actually frightening me now. You're actually (laughs) frightening me. Emily! Okay, let's get Emily's opinion on this. Honestly, I just really, I disagree with the title because she's just so much more than a pretty woman and isn't beauty relative. There'll be some people that don't find her pretty, you know, and we know she's a woman. What a stupid title, actually, when you think about it. We know she's a woman. Could have just called it 
pretty to, to me. To me, she's pretty. Some wise words there from Emily. Yeah, some very wise um, words. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, I don't want, this is not a therapy session for you, Rosie. <laughs> but do you genuinely think that this man, because what he does over and over again is put her in massively fish out of water situations and then kind of like chuckles about it. No, I agree. I think it's really bad. And like when they go through the hotel and he's like, where this... Where, where my coat and 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 she's clearly very uncomfortable yeah and that's that's all very awkward to to watch he's got status so he knows that because and he consistently shows that he knows because he's so rich and powerful that he's not going to be the one no one comes up to him and says excuse me excuse me sorry sir you can't bring prostitutes in here they go up to her and go you can't be here when she's not with him. But when it's it's him that's bringing her in there, she's not swanning in there on her own yeah. trying to get a John. But then they would never, you know, they would never say anything to him. He knows he's safe, but she is completely like out on her own. It's it's interesting. I feel like the whole that that whole first bit is a bit like that when the whole seduction scene when he takes her up to the room and she goes he goes, oh, let's just talk for a bit. And she goes, look, I'm a sure thing. Yeah. You don't need to do that. And then she's like watching old movies and he's sort of watching her. And that whole seduction feels like a power move as well. hundred percent. Because he, there's a bit he before, won't let her do it on her terms. Yeah. And there's a bit before that where she goes, before we get to that seduction bit, where she keeps pushing to be like, let's do it. And then he sort of says in this really sort of condescending way. What did, I wrote it down here. Oh. Somehow I'm getting a feeling that this time pressure is a problem. Yeah, because she works by the hour and she's a prostitute. Yeah. So you saying that is like, yeah, that's like saying, it sounds to me that you want me to fasten my seatbelt so we can fly this plane. Yeah, I'm a pilot. That's... That's how we do it. Like, I've got to fly the plane. Plays it out like, this is much more of a special scenario. Like, you're very lucky to be here. This is not a normal thing. But you're still putting the pressure on time. So I'll give you more money just so you shut up. It's such a power play. It's such a power play, the whole thing. The whole, you know, wanting to stay the night. And No, I, he wants he wants the girlfriend experience. Yeah, yeah. He wants her to stop acting like a prostitute and start pretending that she wanted to be there but then as soon as she's like trying to floss her teeth he's like no drugs in here no drugs he's like drugs yeah get out yeah none of this and And then that whole uh, when he turns out it's floss and he's like oh people don't often surprise me and we're supposed to be sort of like oh about that yeah and it's a it's actually a horrible lie it's a horrible lie because she's not taking drugs you're kind of going oh wow i was expecting you to be a skanky crack hall but instead you (laughs) surprised me with your oral hygiene oh you're not a skanky yeah and also i know she's sort of playing this character of um as she says you know fly by the seat of my pants kind of a gal you know but she's so infantile She's already 20 years younger than him. That's what Neil said. Uh, Neil said to me, he was like, she's... Because also, he'd never watched it before. (laughs) Yeah. It's always really interesting watching it with someone who's never seen it. Very like you and me now. He points out things problematic and I go, no, no, stop it. Um, (laughs) We get a lot of that. He goes, she's... (laughs) No, I don't want to hear it. Go, please, go away. He was. He said. He said she's very childlike yeah. in in all these scenes, and she's like, oh wow, wow. 
And it's a bit like what you were saying earlier about how this idea that she's, oh, she's a new prostitute or we don't really want to think about that she's a skanky Yeah. (laughs) She's, that whole thing, it's playing the thing that she's kind of a wide-eyed ingenue. She's a tart with a heart of gold and it's unconsciously... And he's he's just doing a seduction. Yeah. And unconsciously it is putting the, like, even though it's trying to be, oh, hey, we're cool, this businessman with this this hooker and da-da-da-da-da, Actually, the unconscious bias against sex workers is just overlaid over the top of it. So they keep having to go, but she's not like that. She's not like that. Yeah, completely. Constantly, in order for us to accept that he would fall for her. It's like, well, obviously he'd fall for her. She's charming, beautiful, and like fresh. He is an absolute, he's not really a catch per se. Like he's attractive and he's rich, but he doesn't give anything away. And he's Richard Gere. And he's Richard Gere. Um, you a big Richard Gere that, fan? I mean, actually a lot. When you used to watch well, this. Well, a lot of the time through the film, I was thinking if he wasn't Richard Gere, this would be a very different film. Yes. This was just a gross man. Who was yeah. Like, Imagine if it was Jack up, Nicholson I'm or something like that. I'm going to pay you for the week. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be disgusting. He does. I mean, I do think the performances are really fantastic from Richard, yeah. Richard Gere and Julia Roberts and the direction because it's all about the tone of the lines. Julia, Half of Julia Roberts' lines, if they were spoken in a sort of super seductive Halle Berry kind of a way. I don't know why I thought of Halle Berry just because I think she's very seductive. But like if they were spoken in a femme fatale way, then it would, you know, it would not work. Like her kind of loosey-goosiness would not come across and she would look like too much of a pro. But when we have that scene, when we have the seduction scene, she's literally lying on the floor, on her belly, on the floor, watching I Love Lucy, eating like she's, She's been drinking. He doesn't drink. He's bought her champagne and strawberries. Just think, just to really rub in how the other half lives. <laughs> um, yeah. And she's there going, ha, 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 And then he comes over and he's basically like perving on a teenager, essentially. That is prime teenage girl scenario, right? Lying on the yeah, carpet in, in front of the TV being like, ha, 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 snacking. But can I just say it's okay because she crawls up to him and then it cuts. So we don't actually know if they have a blowjob or have sex because then nothing happens. Well, I mean... Maybe they just hug. Yeah. Maybe they just hug and she takes off her wig. <laughs> She doesn't take off the wig. I don't think he realizes until the next day. So she's... no, because then there's that that scene with the nice music where she's lying, licking a like pre-raphaelite with her red curls on yeah. the, and then he's like, oh, she's not a skank with with a with blonde, blonde bob, peroxide hair. Yeah, because we all know about what those <laughs> bottle blondes are like, huh, guys? Am I right? Um, but I thought I thought both of those late night seduction scenes were very interesting from a directorial point of view because there is no underscoring, there is no music playing, there's no sort of, I think it does actually quite a good job of trying to, now there's some actual transactional sex happening without showing it. They have the weird I Love Lucy soundtrack, just the laugh track playing. 
in the background. And yeah. then they have that weird moment that they have in both this one and the piano of no kissing. You know, we so we see that boundary, no kissing. I'm this is my job, you know. And then you kind of pan away from them, like you say, but there's no sort of sound of there's no sort of violins or anything to guide us. There's just the creepy black and white I Love Lucy laugh track. And the same with the yeah. later on with the piano. There's no soundtrack. There's just the plow, cling, clong, cling, clong, cling, where they're kind of like crunching on, on the piano keys. So it's quite jarring. Like, yes. And I think that's what they are trying in their, I think quite successfully in that sort of 80s, 90s way saying uh, this isn't a love affair this bit no i think you're right they are trying to do that but then they try to but by doing that scene later where he's looking at her sleeping with the with the red yes. hair they are then trying to sort of undo that work by going 100%. oh but look he's <laughs> he's now looking at her and he's seeing her as a person he's not seeing her as an object that's kind of what they're trying to do there those those two scenes are very like they don't they don't talk it's really really late at night you know they kind of become other people with other needs yeah. but it's almost not talked about in the bright light of day when they're all like croissants and why can't she eat a croissant why can't she eat a pancake like just does she not eat in that scene no she eats but she eats like um like a pterodactyl <laughs> she's like we get it. she's full of childish good fun but why why can she not sit on a chair or eat a pancake without looking like a, a fucking child Nom, nom, nom. She flies by the seat of her pants, kind of girl. Yeah. Oh. And then he, that's that's when um she asks what he does, isn't it? And he says, "Oh, we both screw for money." Yeah, charming. Which always really pisses me off mm-hmm. because I'm like, don't, don't. I don't know. It, it annoys me again trying to make what she sounds as dirty as what he does because actually what he does is a lot more dirty than what she does yeah because when he says that it's particularly callous and um because he metaphorically screws people for money but she actually screws people for money so he's able to take to hide behind the metaphor and go yeah i screw people for money (laughs) but you actually fuck people for money when i say it's a metaphor but when i say it about you (laughs) do you get it because you actually open your legs and fuck people for money it's it's not an even playing field especially when in that situation he's lording over so much power he's got so much money yeah and she needs she needs his money in that in that moment so that line in so many ways is problematic and irritating yeah like he bought her like the reason she is there is because he bought her and he constantly plays a game where he acts as if he hasn't done that yeah and it's like but you but you have done that and what do you think his actual reason for hiring her for the night and for the week i mean we can probably bypass the night they did have sex so yeah i guess I think it's in in the spirit of the film and the screenwriter and what it was written, he's clearly captivated by her from the off. I mean, that's why he keeps sort of, yeah, he's very attracted to her, but he is kind of captivated. And also he says that interesting thing, I can't remember whereabouts in the film, but she says, oh, you could ask anybody. And he goes, yeah, but I want this to be a transaction. Yeah. I don't want someone who's going to get clingy. Yeah. So I think he wants something that's going to be 
easy. Simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And but also he sort of he also really fancies her as well. So yeah. he's got that thing of going, Oh, this is gonna be an easy transactional girlfriend. Yeah. Where I can fancy her, have sex with her, but not worry about all the emotional implications to it as yeah. well. AKA I think that's toxic what it is. masculinity at its finest. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um I don't want to be emotionally invested because I don't know what emotions are. Um I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. The thing is, it's easy and simple for him, but there's there's really not much consideration about, at no point is he like, do you need to call anyone or like, would that interrupt your plans? He's just like, I'm, I'm sure you're free because... Um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, you're a prostitute. And I want to buy you for a week. So he's not like, oh, do you need to pop home so you can pick up your contraceptive pill? <laughs> Or whatever, you know, he's just like, yeah, you're just going to be here at my beck and call. And um, it's really bizarre because then later on at one of the crux moments of the film, he says, I have never treated you like a prostitute. And that is just patently untrue. Yeah. You have literally... That's all he, he, he does that all the way through. And made it very clear that's... that that's what you want. You want this to be transactional, but on your terms. But, but you know, it's funny once I... I know a, a guy once who told me that he'd gone to a prostitute and then he was really disappointed because she acted he couldn't he then couldn't get it up because she acted too much like it was a business transaction yeah and I said but but what did you what did you expect like it, it was a business transaction and he went well I thought she'd at least kind of pretend and <laughs> yeah and and you I think sometimes with some guys I think uh, and I'm sure women, if we're you know if we're going to do all that, but it, it's like, well, if 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 we can build this reality around us, then it's then it's not as bad. And I think he's like, well, I'm buying her clothes, I'm making her look nice, I'm I'm giving her, I'm I'm paying her basic manners. Therefore, I'm not treating her like a prostitute. Yeah, and that's that's all he sees. And the problem is, is, is even though in that bit where he goes, I've never treated you like a prostitute, and she goes, you just did, is. I remember the first few times I watched that film, that that line always confused me because I was going, well, she's, he's not treating well. her like a prostitute. Because it took me a while to realise that of course he is because the film doesn't really want you to think that he is. The film wants you to see all the stuff that he's treating her nice, that he's buying her lovely clothes. Yeah. It wants you to kind of forget that the fact that, of course, this is still this is still a transaction. Yeah, and she's and jumping through hoops. Not... Because if it was yeah. Kit who'd got in that car and somehow that had been the person that he was like, oh, you know, stay with me for a week, she would have been out on her ear, definitely. Because Kit doesn't yeah. have the malleability that Vivian has. Um, and she's too much of Vivian's unpredictability is very much within the boundaries of like, and I did write this down. Pixie dream exactly girl. Exactly that. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, I wrote down, she's like such a manic pixie dream girl, right down to the fact that she can't sit on a chair properly or eat a fucking pancake. She's like, I'm just too yeah. much of a kookity kook. I'm sitting on the edge of this penthouse balcony. Lol. I'm going to sing really loud on my headphones, even though I'm sure he'll be able to hear. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh, and you brought your Walkman. Well, you were turning tricks. Interesting. I know. That was very strange. But, you know, each to their own. Hey. She's just crazy. She, she's, she's just, just a just kook. Like she's that. a real <laughs> kook. And obviously a lot of that is, I think she plays it so well that she, a lot of that is kind of a protective 
facade. I don't even care. I'm just a little kook because she does care and it is hard. And she's like, you know, you don't go and tell somebody that I'm a prostitute when I'm, well, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. But yeah, the the whole thing, I was actually a bit confused by that line as well. Um, I've never treated you like a prostitute. You just did. Because, well, maybe we should come back to it. But yeah, I, especially because it comes late in the film. Yeah, but I'd like to come back right. to that it, it whole only, transaction there at the end. I felt this was the first time watching it that I got it. <laughs> that I was like, yeah, he's always been treating her like a prostitute. Yeah. Where earlier on I was going, what are you talking about, Vivian? What are you saying? There's something so, I think there's something so insidious about the veneer of respectability that you can get away if Carlos the drug dealer who has a thing for Vivian as Kit constantly says in like a, a very offhand way but it's actually that's terrifying what's he gonna do to her yeah she, whoa gross but if he had said I'll give you three grand to stay for the week and you you just do whatever I tell you to do she probably wouldn't have done it yeah but because this guy is in this position, there is a there is a feeling that somehow you are safe because he is rich. Whereas we definitely know from the la- from the news in the last three years slash forever, yeah, that that's not the case. It's not true, and yeah, completely. So it's actually like he's putting her into a, an incredibly dangerous and isolating position because then she has to go out. He doesn't say to her, "I can call up for some clothes or." take one of my shirts or anything like that no and that awful like humiliating scene well firstly the shop scene where the shop girls are rude to her but what more when she comes back into the hotel and and he he calls her and even even though rufus is he is called rufus is like nice to her he is like i you know i don't want to see you here again yeah yeah yeah, after this happens and you really feel for her because it's so humiliating but as you say she's been put he's put her he's put her in that situation and he's saying because no one's gonna humiliate him about it they're calling her when she's on her own he literally says we don't allow this but because he's such a special customer aka he spends a lot of money here we are going to allow it we're not going to make him feel bad about it though we're going to make you the person who's been brought here not of your own choosing like you didn't say yeah. i want to go to this place where i'll be out of place we're going to make you feel bad for it and she she is just like one thing after another like if you look at the film from a different point of view you're like she is having to run away like avoid her own landlord cuz she can't afford it she's under pressure to get a pimp then she i mean Think of how little money she must be making. Like, again, it's so naive of him when he says, and like crass and stupid to say, oh, if you're making $100 an hour, you you should be as rich as me. Or he says something like that. It's like, she's obviously not making $100 an hour. She's saying it to you because you have a bit of money. But really, if she'll take $20 and take you all the way out here, and uh, probably that's around her I mean, it's, it's, she's a, she's a street prostitute, you know, she doesn't have a, yeah. a big margin. <laughs> and, uh, well, and, and again, you've got that whole, uh, when they, they're that whole bargaining scene. Yeah. Where he's like, when she's like 5,000 or whatever, 4,000. Yeah. And, and she's, and, and she goes, I would have taken 2,000. He says something like, I would have accepted Four. Yeah, something like that. Basically says I would have paid more. Yeah. Because that's how we determine your worth as a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
But it's like, well, you're like, don't say that. She kind of needs that money. She really then, needs that money. And then he goes and she goes, oh, you're, ne- you're never going to want to let me go. And he goes, I will. I will you go yeah and you're like okay okay this is just a transaction oh but now i'm gonna take you on a plane to the opera in another fucking city with some de beers he does this whole seduction thing exactly he's gaslighting her he does the whole time so he's like seduction 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 and then but when it suits him he'll go no 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 this is a transaction yeah this is a transaction exactly so he like puts puts her back in her place when it's about money and when he needs it to be. He brings her up and puts and her then, down. Just in the same way that yeah. he kind of does with Stucky, who's another one of his employees. But also important to note that he has difficult issues with his father. And that's probably why. Thank you. Okay, good. I'm so glad. I was worried he wasn't getting defended enough. Yeah. Speaking of the families, when she's driving the car, it's another trope of strong women. Where he's like, where <laughs> yeah, did you, like, yeah, where did you learn to drive like this? And she was like, oh, all the boys growing up, they were into muscle cars. So I watched and learned. It's, it's that classic, like, oh, I grew up with brothers. I'm just a tomboy at heart <laughs> because a woman can't possibly be into cars without having spent her life around men. Oh, yeah, God. so true. But let's talk about the shopping because it's the iconic. Because that is great. Big mistake. Um, you big. know, not everything Huge. in this film is- <laughs> It's fantastic. I love the shopping scene. It's so great. And the actor who I only know as the dad from 10 Things I Hate About You. 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, (laughs) yes. I'm so glad that he's in this. Just excellent. He's like, that whole section is really enjoyable. But it it does boil down to she, once she is dressed in the clothes of the privileged classes, she can then go back into that shop. Well, that's also what's so funny about that is is so she goes back into that shop, which is a wonderful scene. Of like, however, it's so great when she goes and oh, she, she goes plays it so well. She looks big so mistake, big, oh, huge, so brilliant. But then what's great? She goes, she goes into the hotel and she's like walking with all her clothes, and Rufus like looks at her and he stops and he smiles and and Neil said, Neil went, oh. He just loves it when she no longer looks like a hooker. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Everyone loves it when she no longer looks like a hooker. You can be a hooker, but can you not look like a hooker? Because we are the sort of hotel that only entertains a certain level of hooker. Like, don't worry, there's plenty of fucking hookers. look Look at that. Look at that hooker wearing nice clothes. I know. But it, it's it's like what you were saying about um, how, of course, now we know, I mean, we should have known then, but now there's there's a lot more in the news that, you know, if you're a rich man, that doesn't stop you being abusive. And um, especially with uh, like that, you know, that awful case with, was it in Hong Kong with prostitutes? I can't remember. It was horrendous. I don't know. But, um, oh, it was oh, horrible. But, um it's just this whole idea that everyone in the hotel, all the staff buy into it as well. So they're all kind of carried away into this fairy tale of this fairy prostitute tale. who's been remade. Yeah, it's uh, a real rags to riches lady. thing. It's a real, and it's just, that's the My Fair Lady angle of it, of like, yeah. if she and, can talk. And right. none of them are going, oh, this guy is spending loads of picking this girl up who doesn't have much money, who's completely dependent on him, yeah. giving her lots of, nice clothes and everything and is then going to drop her yeah like a call after a week exactly and you know none of them are like then looking at Richard Gere being like I can't believe 
he uses <laughs> prostitutes. It's not that, you know, they're just like, no, it, there's no judgment on him. They're like, oh, he's made that prostitute look nice. Yeah. He's, and, and it he's is. He's got us some nice dresses. It's such a Cinderella thing. And it, and it kind of comes down to this whole thing, you know, how people love to be like, I'm colorblind or, oh, I never judge a book by its cover. We are categorically like, look at my fair lady or this. Once she knows what salad fork to use and she, she talks properly and she wears the right clothes and she likes opera. Did you, I, did you notice that fucking elitist bit with the opera where he's like, yeah. um, he, they basically set up the idea that some people can learn to appreciate opera and some people like it lives in their heart. And she has this amazing reaction to opera. And it's like saying, see, she has a noble soul because she likes yeah. opera. I mean, who and you, fucking- and you do worry because at the beginning of that scene, you're like, oh no, what if she doesn't get opera? This whole love is going to go off the rails and he's going to have to just dump her at the end exactly. of the week. Exactly. <laughs> Why don't I take this prostitute? I mean, how many people who did not grow up with opera and classical music have that magical response to opera? I'm going to say probably not that many. So, He was rolling the dice to probably be like, you're about to sit and watch something in a language you don't understand with music you don't appreciate in front of people that aren't anything like you for my amusement. Dance, monkey, dance. Because... Well, it's a test, isn't it? It's It's a test. test. It's a fucking... It's a princess and the pea. I'm going to put a pea under this mattress and see how fucking noble you are. Which, can I say, yeah. I have a real problem with the princess and the pea. Why do you want your princess to be well, so fucking pathetic? I mean, all of those fairy stories are quite quite strange. Oh, I can't honest, sleep because the there's a pea. The pea. Seven, come on. <laughs> Whenever I get insomnia, I think I'm a princess. You are a princess. <laughs> <laughs> I am a princess. With your migraines. <laughs> <laughs> migraines, actually. And migraines, this light, you. this daylight is too much for me. I need to... <laughs> no. No, that's a really serious problem and I'm not making light of it. Thank you. Yeah, don't make light of it. Otherwise, I'll write a blog about it. <laughs> so um, let's, I think we've made the point, but with My Fair Lady as well, once you've once you've done, it's same with Melania Trump. Melania? How would you say it? Like Melania, I think it's Melania. Did you see recently on Twitter? Mil- that- I like Millennia though. Millennia, <laughs> Millennia, <laughs> Trump. Um, and there was a recent thing on Twitter where somebody had posted something saying, "We need less women like Cardi B, and more women like like Melania Trump." And Cardi had posted a picture, a nude picture, like a modelled nude picture of Melania, cu- just covering her bits, looking all sexual and pouty. And saying, you know, I think that's a wet ass pussy right here. And, but it's just this thing of like, no, no, but look, she's in the White House now. She's wearing a powder blue suit. We just, we completely forget now. And she has to completely forget that she ever did nude modeling or anything like that. We can't possibly integrate the two sides of the woman and go, oh, a sexually awoken woman who is also intelligent and likes opera. No, no, we can't. Yeah. So let's talk Stucky, the polo game. Yeah, what a horrible little loathsome man. Yes, very much there as well to throw to throw Edward into stark contrast with him, I think. Yes, I think that's very true. Um, but he... Because he has no redeeming features. No, he loves money. And it's there's a questionable thing there about being like, 
He's a Jew. He loves money. Look at his little Jewish lawyer hands. Like he's desperate oh, for money. I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Oh, it's a bit problematic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, there are no other people of color in in the film. I'm trying to think. Well, that's what Neil, Neil's like. Why? Why? What's with what's with black people just being? staff at the hotel yeah there's there's a and fake I was like well this is the 90s yes <laughs> none of the prostitutes are black <laughs> okay go yeah, figure no. yeah uh which i think speaks to a point that sophie duca made so well in one of our recent podcasts um for mrs doubtfire if the other prostitutes were black it would really show julia roberts is meant to be super down on her luck so we can't show people who are like even more down actually on their luck. down on their luck <laughs> yeah. yeah completely because that would throw everything off a little bit so they're at this polo game and Stucky is convinced that she is a spy for the company that they're trying to buy. And so under basically no duress at all, Edward outs her as a prostitute. Yeah, because he's, well, he says afterwards because he's sort of jealous because she's flirting. Well, she's not even flirting. She's talking. She's talking to another man. She's talking to another man and he didn't like... The only other man in this whole event that he that she knows the only other person she knows yeah everyone else is a friend of his he knows because he moves in those circles who are kind of rude to her who are very mean to her yeah yeah they're well not very mean but they're just on the right cusp of like they're not friendly because they they're like hmm, edward's girls yeah oh we're yeah, women that maybe wanted to be edward's girls because that's what women want yeah so he reveals he says no she's a hooker she's a hooker i picked her up in your car on hollywood boulevard which is just reprehensible. Like, it is not... Oh, it's so bad. It's, it's so bad. And especially, as she says, she says to him afterwards, that why are you going to dress me up mm-hmm. if you're just going to completely reduce me down to your friends anyway? Exactly. Because it is. It's completely humiliating. So humiliating. Because she's passing. That's the thing. Yeah. So that's, and that's what he's wanted her to do. And then he takes it away. It's such a power play. And then Stucky immediately, he goes over and does, I mean, it's always haunted my dreams. This kind of like elbow rub. He kind of. Just, yeah, it's horrible. He touches her with the, with the leg of his sunglass, uh, sunglasses. No. And then kind of does this kind of little pinching motion on her shoulder. Oh, it, it's always yeah, made my so skin crawl. Slimy, horrible. Because straight away he's like, oh, I thought you were a woman, but actually you're a commodity that I can own and make feel yeah. however I like. You're not a threat. You're an object. And he treats her like shit. Um, and then later on, he blames her for Edward's decision to build something rather than take the company apart. I mean, shall we, let's jump straight to that because yeah, it's really frightening. He comes uninvited into the hotel room. She's alone and he's, he seems drunk, but he's really angry. And then he tries to rape her. He tries to rape, he blames her yeah. and he tries to rape her. And the only thing that stops him is circumstance because Edward comes in and hits him. And saves the day. I'm sorry. Yeah. Why is no one calling the police? He just assaulted somebody. Yeah. And then she kind of makes light of it in the sense of going, why do guys always know how to hit you? Bam, right across the cheekbone. It's like, 
And he's like, not all guys hit. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Some people just, yeah. You're you're my little pretty pecanese <laughs> Hashtag dog. Hashtag not all men. Exactly. It's like, well, why aren't you fucking calling the police? He's a yeah. he's a dangerous man. Like, he should have been arrested. At the very least, he should have been thrown out of the hotel by security. You could yeah. make her feel like an assault on her is an assault That's worth. So- that is so true that is so true I think the weird thing is with this film is in some ways it's very sympathetic to sex workers in the fact that especially that scene at the polo match when as soon as she he sort of reveals that she's a hooker Mm. and the way Stucky treats her you kind of see the position she's put in and how humiliating it is and for little moments like that it's really kind of sympathetic to somebody who's down on their luck and is you know doing a job and the kind of power play that you're put into but then time time again it kind of wants to have its cake and eat it yeah and it's still always with the view with the viewpoint and she even says it at one point when she's telling him how she ended up going into prostitution she says no one ever wants to get into this situation and I'm sure that now our sex workers watching that film will be like that's not true I'm empowered Mm. This is what I chose to do. Not all sex workers, not all men here, um, <laughs> but like obviously a lot of sex uh, women in sex work, in, especially in that kind of, you know, having to walk the streets in a dangerous area. Yeah, it's different circumstances that got you there. You might not want to choose that. But there are plenty of sex workers who do choose to do it and who would be like, well, I'm not pretending not to be a prostitute because that's my job and I don't see why it's a problem, you know, if you've got a problem with hiring me. So even it's like saying it's sympathetic to um, scullery maids because it's a Cinderella story. Actually, it's saying it's sympathetic to you only in as much as you can get yourself out of this. It's not saying... Well, that's a very sort of American dream, isn't it? Yeah, it's not saying you're a sex worker and it's okay to be a sex worker. It's saying you're a sex worker and that's okay because you don't have to be a sex worker forever. You can get yourself out of this. And the offering they're giving is magically find a really rich man who falls in love with you. You know, she and Kit, neither of them have active exit points you know it's not like they've made a decision and they're going to leave the life it's from this benefactor this rich man benefactor that they're able to leave the scenario they're in do you know what i mean yeah well also the the film is bookended by that guy walking through the streets going everyone's got a dream you know we've got do you have a dream everyone comes to and and so you're going so so what it, what are you saying? Are you saying that that Vivian is, is a is a prostitute with a with a dream with a dream, and her dream is her dream is realised by this uh, rich man who picks her up and is so impressed this by her performance. Completely improbable scenario <laughs> that he takes. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's even more of a long shot than making it as a movie star. <laughs> it's impossible. So that I think brings us neatly onto I've never treated you like a prostitute you just did because that comes off the back of him offering to make her his mistress he says I'll set you up I want to see you again she's like really you do he's like yeah I'm going to get you this apartment I'm going to give you an allowance every time I come through blah 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 and then she tells this bullshit story about my mum used to tell me read me a story about a knight coming to save me oh yeah what's I was like Vivian get Get back on the point. What's this about? Yeah, because, and she says, at no point did 
the night, I used to have a dream about this night coming to save me. And at no point did the night say, I've set you up a sweet little condo and an allowance. And I thought, so what is it that you want here? Because that's what confused me. And maybe this shows how jaded I am, or maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just more woke now. I don't know. But I was like, (laughs) is that such a bad thing? Like, if this is a transaction that's working for you guys, what? No, but, and it's not working for her because she loves him. But what does that mean? She wants more. Well, what? What? So she wants to be a kept woman of a rich man. It's the same thing. No, she wants, she doesn't. It's not the same because it's love and she wants to, you know, she wants his heart. She wants to have like little walks with him in the park and have lunches with him. But they would do that anyway. They've been doing that in the week. I'm just like, no, she's like, I don't want my independence. I want to be completely dependent on you and your money. That's what it feels like. What is it that she wants? No, because she'd probably do, she'd probably do her own course doing something. She'd probably go back to school. I think she'd go back to school and set up her own business. But what, I what think is, that's what's going to happen what, in Pretty Woman Part 2. What is it that she wants? I don't understand what she wants. What is it that she's trying yeah. to say with the knight? With the white knight saving her? Because that whole knight she, saving thing just, made me feel sick. I know it's it's very, <laughs> I know it's very incongruous. I think she just... Oh, I don't want your money. Just I want you to save me completely, body and soul. I want rescuing. Oh, uh, completely. That's what she wants. She doesn't want it to sound like a transaction anymore. That's what she doesn't want. So when he talks about the condo and whatever... She doesn't want that because it's still it's still a transaction and she doesn't want that. She doesn't want to, to be... As you say, she wants the fairy tale. She wants to sort of have her white knight. Yeah, it just makes me sad because it's is, like, it's not it's a situation where, she, where he goes, I want to see you again and I'm accepting that you're a prostitute and I'm be dating... I'm, I'm going to be dating a sex worker and that will come with its own problems and blah, blah, blah. Like, it is just accepted that whatever happens, she will stop sleeping with other people. She, you know, she is going to be his property one way or another. She has no means of her own. And actually, there is part of me, again, maybe I'm jaded, that says in the offer that he makes her, she has some independence. As soon as as he's like, it's obvious that they're going to get married at the end or whatever, she lives to serve him. I think it's more transactional. No, I don't think so. Because if she went with the condo idea, then it would always be a money thing. And if something went wrong, then he could withdraw the money and it'd be really sad. That's still the same thing if they get married. Are you mad? No, no, because this way she can set up her own business. With his money. With his money. All with his money. By that time... She's going to set up her own business and no, become a, a, a powerhouse. Do you see what I mean, though? She's gonna... Like, because you're chatting shit. No, I don't see what, I don't know. I don't see what you mean, and I don't accept your theory. Because... And I think it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're going to have a very happy equal marriage where she becomes businesswoman of the year and has babies late in life after she's one businesswoman of the year. You're frightening me, Rosie. You're frightening me. You're fri- you need to let go. You need to stop drinking the Kool-Aid because she has a lot less. She is going to be taken out of her whole life, everything she knows, all her friends, her support system, and be put into a... Into a she spent a week play acting as not a prostitute, as a fancy woman. Now she's going to have to go into a life of that with him, everything being his, but now without any boundaries of where the money comes and goes, she's beholden to him. No, she's going to be fine. 
She's going to work she's it out. She's just turned into another like, toy of his, I think. I just, I really dislike <laughs> no, it. No, no, that's not what's going to happen. What do you think then of what happens at the end when he, first of all, the manager of the hotel tells him, basically says, Daryl, the driver, will take you to this vulnerable woman's address. That's because, Anna, unlike you, he, Rufus, sees the romance of the situation and sees that they have fallen in love. Rosie. And that he has put it's... her in nice dresses. <sighs> and that. She's not a and... doll. She's not his. Like, it's not his fucking place to say, this is where a vulnerable prostitute lives. It's so. Thing when he's so wrong when he's giving he's giving back the jewels and he goes sad to take take back something so, so say creepy. goodbye to something so beautiful but it's exactly they they are comparing julia roberts a human woman to a diamond <laughs> necklace. necklace yeah it's a bit a precious jewel like she's so beautiful you don't want to let her go here's the address of where she lives because that's not every sex worker's worst nightmare it's a fucking disaster so he then goes to her house and overcomes his fear of heights i mean again it's very sweet is it and oh my god rosie no, no get but, neil on the phone no, get neil get no, neil on the phone no, but but what happens next negates everything you say because he says what happens after the prince rescues her yeah. and she says she rescues him right back. Yeah, and what does so, that mean, Rosie? I think that solves. I think that solves the argument. I don't think we need to look to. I don't think we need to study it because I think it's very self-explanatory. What on earth and does that mean? I think, I think it's. I think it says that it's all very romantic and very feminist, actually. So. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, at no point, and and what worries me as well about like their relationship moving forward is that she's had to basically grapple with his uh, workaholic and sort of insular behaviour. I don't necessarily, apart from that one, we, we, you know, we've said this before on the podcast, but like one grand romantic gesture does not a relationship make. Um, no. And it's it's much easier to do one grand romantic gesture. I mean, that is what abusers do, right? They they do something terrible. Completely. And then they come back with flowers and they go, I'll never do anything. Everything's changed. Da, da, da. It's not a consistent show of, uh, oh, I'm being, I'm being more emotionally available, and I'm willing to see you as my equal. It's fantasy. But isn't this, isn't this the problem with romantic comedies in general? Is there's a lot of men doing awful, screwy up things, and then they do one nice thing, and we go, oh, yeah. Because I was exactly, I was watching this film, and I was going, okay, I, I'm watching this with new eyes, and I can see what's problematic here. And then in the scene where they have sex, and she kisses him, yeah, and. And I, at the moment... And she um, makes that choice to do that. Yeah, she makes that choice to do it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm ready to date again. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm ready to get back out there and date men again. And it was like, it's so manipulative, uh, romantic comedy. I mean, I love them, but they're so manipulative because you can be watching something and you can go, this is fairly problematic, but you have a scene and it's got lovely Richard Gere and beautiful Julia Roberts and she kisses and she says, I love you. And it's all very moving. And you're like, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. We've we've been spoon fed it from birth 
Definitely. And at least this scenario, like they've kind of got to know each other. So many romantic comedies, you're like, oh, they've never, they've never really had a conversation and suddenly they're getting married. The Little Mermaid is one of them that we've done where you're just like, they don't know each other at all. But yeah, like it's, it's a grand romantic gesture and also very much in the language of his world, a limo and the opera. Like I just don't feel, it's not like he's playing Prince. He's not playing Kiss by Prince. Yeah. It's very much like she is a beautiful tabula rasa and he is going to write, he's going to sign his name all over her blank page and make her into his version of a pretty woman. And that's what happens in My Fair Lady. Like, she doesn't come out the other side. Well, I was going to say, that's that's very... My Fair Lady, he's atrocious. He's a horrible yeah. person. And then he basically stops I mean, her from having a relationship <laughs> with a, an yeah. age-appropriate man. And it's like, just come and be my bitch um, for the rest of my life. Yeah. Now that I've... Pick up my slippers. Yeah. And, and actually, in My Fair Lady is you see how she no longer fits in with the world. Like, you straight away see that, you know, Julia Roberts no longer fits in with the world of the community that she was part of before. She's in her, like, 80s mum outfit, basically. (laughs) You know, jeans and a high neck top and her hair's all tied back and stuff. Yeah, he's made her alien to her own people. And then he's going to take her to a place where she's still alien, you know? Um, she's never going to feel 100% at home. But we, That's what you think. Well, maybe she is, but she hasn't. <laughs> she has nothing of her own. And at least before she was earning some of it, you know? Um, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm also loving how <laughs> stressed out I'm gonna I'm gonna block all of this out and then I'm gonna watch it again. Okay. In a I'm gonna leave it a year and then I'm gonna watch it again and I'm gonna forget all of this and it's gonna be fine. Okay, well make sure Neil's not there to, to drop too many home truths on you. I'm gonna before you forget yeah. it all, I'm gonna ask you the question. Rosie Holt, pretty woman, is it still legit? <laughs> yes. Yes, it's still le- yes, it's still legit. <laughs> okay, good. And she's oh. got her whole fist in her mouth. <laughs> I think, yeah, I I still think it's it's done surprisingly well, and it still definitely falls just on the right edge of of watchable everything. Yes. <laughs> um, it falls just. On the right, if you if you are a sex worker or work in the sex industry, I would be really interested to hear your feedback, listener, and thoughts about this. And they've got great they've got great chemistry. The the arc of their relationship is done really well. Yeah, that's all. That's all very well. They themselves well. are a fantastic pairing, and yeah. they they do a really 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 great job acting wise. It's just whether or not whether the kind of I really do think it's just that ending bit. Where it's where they've decided to go for I want to be rescued, which I just I think if they remade it now, I would imagine it to be a scenario where she'd be like, you've got to take me as I am. This is these are my friends. These are my people. This is how I live. So if you want to come back and date me, sure. But like not we're going to spend a week together and then get married that because you've rescued me out of this hellish life I was in. That's the problematic bit. Overall, though, in a lot of ways, still legit. 
surprisingly yeah. Yeah. surprisingly legit but I do think I have to stamp it with well if you ask my opinion um, which I'm sure you are at this point uh, I'd like to just chip in here sorry if I've interrupted anyone and just say um, I disagree absolutely disagree with you both of you disagree no it's um, it's perfectly legit or insert different answer it's not legit at all not legit or perfectly legit whichever one you're saying it's the other one Okay, disagreed. Disagree. Highly disagree. Conflict. Conflict and tension. We're putting it in Evelyn's library. We've got a library of, of films um, which are maybe not legit, but you're only allowed to get them out and watch them if you prove that you are woke enough. So I'm actually not sure you would be allowed to check out what? the film. That's so unfair. I don't think you'd be allowed to take the film out. <laughs> <laughs> so rude i think we need to get a few more of those i think we need to get you just a little bit more jaded about life and then <laughs> then we can get i'm it's not that i am not jaded it's just that i am in denial and they're very different things and i'm fine with that. yeah okay cool she's in denial guys and it's okay she's all right she's fine it's all good <laughs> okay well, thank you so much, Rosie. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on at Rosie is a Holt. H-O-L-T. H-O-L-T. On Twitter and Instagram. And you uh, must. That's that's about it, really. She's yeah, very funny. You've got to help step in and protect her against all of the right-wingers <laughs> who are absolutely... <laughs> Yeah, they're out for my out for my out blood. For your blood. Oh, it's great. <laughs> They'll probably love my views on pretty women, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> this was all just a, a savvy move to get back in with the right wingers. <laughs> so that was Pretty Woman and Rosie Holt. And this is me on my own again. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So I'll keep this brief. Um, firstly, thanks to my good lady wife Emily uh, for recording those very insightful snippets that you heard there. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that Emily, a professional podcaster and also a BBC radio presenter for many years, choosing to record next to, I want to say a truck stop? Um, So has she even had a baby? That's what I want to know. Why is she out walking along next to dual carriageways. But other than that, I would like to tell you what we're doing next week. I'm very excited to announce our guest for next week. He's a brilliant comedian, writer and actor. He was recently in May Martin's Feel Good on Channel 4. It's Jack Barry. So I'm really excited to be talking to Jack about one of the films that was part of the inception of Still Legit. And we've been dancing around it for a while. We are going to be watching Ace Ventura... Two, when nature calls. I mean, we're still not ready to go to Ace Ventura 1. <laughs> but we will be talking about it, no doubt, next week as we discuss Ace Ventura 2. So if you want to have a little refresher on that, go check it out. Um, and in the meantime, let us know if you have any Jim Carrey related thoughts. Get in touch via our new Twitter account. Yeah, we finally joined 2005 and we've got a Twitter account. It's at Still Legit Pod 
we would love to talk to you guys. Um, so fire off any Ace Ventura thoughts to us there. We're on Instagram at Still Legit Podcast, or you can email us. And you can also email us a voice note, you know, don't be shy if that's easier for you. That's is it still legit at gmail.com. Yes, all of our social has a different name. Get over it. Right. I'm sick of the sound of my own voice. So catch you next week when I will be talking to Jack Berry. Bye.